I have never walked on water. I have not fed 5,000. I did not die for your sins. I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet and give a loud round of applause to the one who died for you and rose again. Would you give the Lord a round of applause? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. On the road, I'm usually uh, traveling alone. We live by faith, but my beautiful bride is here, my wife Ruth. Usually I'm Ruthless, but Billy Graham had a Ruth. I have a Ruth. Would you give my wife a round of applause and I'll preach? Amen. Thank you, Matt Brown. Thank you for all of you coming here. And man, we serve a good God. Amen. I got one verse, and if I can quote what Elizabeth Taylor told her seventh husband, I love you, but I won't keep you long. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 20. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20. The Bible says that the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Dr. Ronnie Floyd last night talked about that the labors are few and the harvest is plenty, and praise God, in this moment, that's still true. But very soon, in the near future, the Lord will split the sky and there will be a moment when that the harvest is past. Now, you and I may be saved, but too many multiplied millions and billions are still without saving faith in Christ. If you don't think a decade has value, speak to the person who was shackled for 10 years in a concentration camp. If you don't think one year has value, speak to the student at college that failed the exam only to repeat a semester from now. If you don't think a month has value, speak to the 16-year-old girl who gave birth to a premature baby. If you don't think a day has value, speak to the local editor of your newspaper, because a lot can happen in 24 hours. If you don't think a minute has value, speak to the person who last night in the subway of Chicago missed the last train for the evening only to walk home. If you don't think a second has value, speak to the senior citizen that just survived a near-fatal automobile accident. And if you don't think one-hundredth of a second has value, speak to the silver medalist in the 2012 Olympic Games. My friends, in life, we are good at wasting time, but the Bible talks about redeeming the time. And what I want you to see with the help of the Holy Spirit is you can spend $10,000 for a Breitling or Rolex watch. The Rolex watch is expensive, but in my opinion, a terrible piece of time. How you can tell an authentic Rolex and a counterfeit is that the genuine Rolex secondhand never hesitates like every other watch in the world. You can tell the cubic zirconia because the secondhand hesitates. The Rolex is expensive, but it's a terrible form of time. I wish today that I could bring into you an hourglass like the days of our lives because it reminds rich or poor, black or white, believe you or atheist, that eventually time will run out. And I want to tell you, some of us have been saved so long, if you're not careful, you can forget what it was like to be lost. God shared with me, I've been saved for 36 years. I'm 43 years old. And God gave me a season, a word, in a time of fasting that most of us got enough of Jesus to get us to heaven, but apparently not enough of Jesus to keep a best friend out of hell. 
And when you got a hold of God and God has a hold of you, you wouldn't want your worst enemies to miss the gates of glory. They tell me now that nine out of ten born-again Christians will live and die never leading anybody to faith in Christ. And my friends, I humbly, I believe in the sovereignty of God. But what breaks my heart is the apathy of man. God didn't just die to save you. God died to use you. And you'll never see a hearse followed by a U-Haul. You cannot take possessions to heaven, but the Bible says you can take people to heaven. And I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but the Bible said, he that winneth souls is wise. Let me quote what Charles Spurgeon said. Fact is, brethren, we have conversion work to do in the church. Quote, we can't go on as some churches do without converts. We cannot, we will not, must not, dare not. Souls must be converted here. And if there may not be many born to Christ, may the Lord grant to me that I may sleep prematurely in a dead tomb, that none be saved. He said, quote, Spurgeon said, better to die than live if souls be not saved. I thought it was appropriate how Eric had the toilet up here because in life I've only found two churches. The first one is a lighthouse and the second one is an odd house. The first one saves, the second one stinks. And guys, what I want to encourage you, the Bible said that he that winneth souls is wise. I got saved at the age of seven in 1979 at a vacation Bible school at a church that ran 33. Nine was the pastor's family. Five was mine, 14 of 33. Notice how I didn't say small church. I believe there's nothing small when you give your all to Almighty God. But I got saved at the age of seven in 1979, and fast forward three years, July 1982, at that church running 33, the pastor said, whoever brought the most kids to vacation Bible school would win a prize. And I couldn't sleep for two weeks. And I remember looking at the old phone that you stick your finger in like this, and I remember thinking, God, at 10 and 82, what about if I invite someone to church and they, they think I'm holier than thou? Or if they ask me a question and I don't have all the theological answers. Newsflash, I turned 43 yesterday, I still don't have all the theological answers. I just know Jesus is the answer to life's problems. Amen. Amen? And I remember they may not say hi to me. They may not sit next to me in the cafeteria. They may act like they don't know my name in the hallway. They may pick me last at recess. But I made a point. I may go down, but I'll go up lifting his name. Most folks don't come to church not because they don't believe a supreme ex being exists. It's because no committed Christian invited them to come. Good Christians keep the faith. Committed Christians share the faith. And I don't evangelize because I'm an evangelist. I do it because I'm a committed Christian. Some of us preach. Some of us teach. If you're born again, you get to reach. Each one can reach one. And I thought, well, they may say no, but I'll invite them to church. July 1982. I got a few no's, but praise God, got some yes. And God used me. July 1982, at the age of 10, I brought 22 kids to vacation Bible school to a church running 33. Guess who won the prize? Can I get an amen? amen. Now, but watch this. My pastor told my mom, 1982, Miss Shelton, the Bible said a child shall lead them. I didn't think it was your kid. Three years later, I go to see Rambo 2 in the movie theater, and Usher sat me to my seat. Back then, a uniform with a hat and a flashlight, and Usher would sit you to your seat. Today, it's a rapper in Atlanta. Can I get an amen? 
And I saw the movie twice before in 1985 at age 13, and a guy comes up to me, gives me a piece of paper. I said, what's this? He said, it's a chance to spend the weekend with Sylvester Stallone. I said, where were you the last two times? He said, kids, you're not going to win. I said, sir, give me the piece of paper. If you got all 10 questions right, they throw it in a barrel. You and a friend could spend the weekend with Sylvester Stallone in 1985. I filled it out. My godmother comes over who led my mom to the Lord, Judy Henderson. And I said, Judy, did you see Rambo? She said, yeah. I said, did you like it? She said, it was great. I said, did they give you a piece of paper? She said, yes. I said, do you think you knew all 10? She said, yes. I'm so slow, it takes me two hours to watch 60 Minutes. But two chances are better than one. I said, Judy, if I win, I'll take you. She rolled her eyes. Frankie, if I win, I'll take you. 1985, I'm 13 years old. I get a call two months later. She says, Frankie, pack your bags. I'm going to Los Angeles, and I'm taking you. I said, Judy, if you're lying, I'm going to stick my hand through the phone, and I'll choke you here. <laughs> my godmother and I, you're talking about the Beverly Hillbillies. We get on a plane from D.C. to LAX. My godmother bought Stallone a black Bible, gold leaf, engraved Sylvester Stallone. And I'm flying over there, and all I could think of, Satan says, whatever you do, don't give the man the Bible. You talk about David versus Goliath, it was me versus Rambo in eighth grade. How would you have done? But I just remember when we had our chance to meet Sly at MGM Studios, 1985, he had just finished filming Rocky IV, and he came up to me, and I'm looking at toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and all I could think is, sir, heaven won't be the same without you. And we gave him the Bible. I gave him the Romans Road. And watch this. I found out years later, his sister-in-law said, quote, Sylvester Stallone has made a profession of faith in Christ. Now, I sowed some seeds. Judy sowed some seeds. But it's Christ that saves the soul. Give the Lord a round of applause. Now, watch this. But what's interesting is if I would have chickened out three years before with my friends, I wouldn't have had the confidence in Christ to do it when I stood before famous. I didn't start out sharing with Hollywood. I started out sharing by my house. Started out with friends, 1985, famous. 1993, I'm working on Capitol Hill. I was going to do three things with my life, politics, preach, and protect the president. I was blessed to pursue all three by my 35th birthday. My family has protected the last 26 of 28 United States presidents. You know what politics means in Latin? Poly means many. And ticks are blood-sucking creatures. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I had a lunch. I was working on the floor of the United States Senate in 1995. I'm 23 years old. And I go outside. And you know what legalism is? It's high on the law, but it's low on love. But I believe if you love them, and I'm also a spokesperson for compassion, if you love them, you can lead them. But if you go to the juggler and they can tell there's no love, it's hard to get them to the Lord. And I remember going out with my lunch, and I saw a homeless guy, and if I've ever heard the Holy Spirit, he said, Frank, give him your lunch. I felt like little Arnold on different strokes, what you talking about, Willis? Can I get an amen? And I gave him my lunch. I shared the Jesus. I wish I could tell you he got saved that day. He didn't. But I loved him, and I tried my best to tell him about the Lord. I went home. The second day, I got smart. God said, Frank, pack two lunches in case you see the homeless guy again. God is my witness. I come back. I was starving at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. I'm looking at the clock. One, praying to be a blessing to Harry, the guy who's homeless. And two, I'm ready to eat because I fasted the day before accidentally. I come back, bring two lunches, one for him, one for me. I'm not kidding. Harry, the homeless guy, is there with another homeless friend. And God said, give them both your lunch. <laughs> I said, God, you got to be kidding me. And you know what? Just like two thieves on the cross, they both ate my lunch. And praise God, Harry got saved. But the other guy said, no, but I sowed some seeds. It's Jesus that saves the soul. I'm sharing the gospel with the poorest person in Washington, D.C. 
That day, I get in my dad's unmarked police car. He was the assistant chief of the entire United States Capitol Police, number two out of 2,000. He said, Frank, the White House called today. My dad was the chairman of Bill Clinton's first inauguration for security. He said, President Clinton wants to thank my father in the morning. And my dad said, Frank, I've already invited you to come with me. And all night long, Satan said, whatever you do, don't mention Jesus to the most powerful person on the planet. But because I shared Jesus when no one was watching, I didn't chicken out when a few more were watching. The day before, I'm with the poorest person in Washington. The next day, the most powerful person in Washington. But he that went his souls is wise. July 82 brought 22 kids to vacation Bible school. This is how God works. July 2012, 30 years to the month. They named me the evangelism chairman of the 2012 Olympic outreach. We were over there with nine-time gold medalist Carl Lewis. Got to meet Tony Parker, played for Team France, just won with the San Antonio Spurs. Not dropping names, guys, but I've lifted up his name. But here's the thing. It's July 2012, we're in London with the finest athletes in the world. 30 years before, we're just sharing Jesus with friends. A year ago tonight, February 21st, I got invited to be on Sean Hannity's show. They're promoting the Son of God movie. They cut to commercial. They closed with me with a few more people. The stage is a little bigger. The lights are a little brighter. They told me a few more people are watching. And I gave them Jesus on Fox News. But I didn't start out at Fox, not with the finest athletes in the world, with the famous, with friends. And I just believe Christians don't let friends miss Jesus. You know, real quick, I think of three people that encourage me. I think of John the Baptist. I love cars. You've heard the joke, the disciples drove a Honda because they were all in one accord. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I was praying. I was like, okay, God, I'm preaching on John the Baptist. What kind of car John be? And the Holy Spirit said, it's easy. He's a Toyota. I said, a Toyota? He said, yes, John was the forerunner to Jesus. Can I get an Amen. But you know what? John the Baptist didn't tell people what they wanted to hear. He told people what they needed to hear. Not only do I love John the Baptist, I love Joseph Arimathea. Joseph went up to Pontius Pilate and begged for the body of Jesus. And when most men were nowhere to be found, John went up boldly, Joseph did, to Pontius Pilate and begged for the body of Jesus. And if you read between the lines from Golgotha to the garden tomb, he became a pallbearer to Jesus Christ. Real quick, my great-great-great-grandfather, Joseph Gale Shelton, Good Friday, Forge Theater, 1865, was on duty the night Lincoln was assassinated. And my ancestor was one of four men to carry Abraham Lincoln across the street the night he died. I saw Elvis Presley in concert twice at age five in 1977. My dad's friend, Bob Cantwell, graduated from the FBI Academy with my father in 78 was an honorary pallbearer at Elvis Presley's funeral. Stories I've heard my whole life. Joseph of Arimathea. My ancestor, when he carried Lincoln, he carried the closest to the king of a nation America will ever have because the presidency is not an, an individual, it's an institution. But when he carried Lincoln, he carried the closest to the king of a nation will ever have. When my dad's best friend was a pallbearer in August 1977 with Elvis, known by billions, loved by millions, but when he carried Elvis Presley, he didn't carry the king of a nation. He carried the king of rock and roll. Five years ago at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, the Jackson 4 remaining with sequin gloves and a 24-karat gold casket. When they carried MJ, not Jordan, Michael Jackson, they carried the king of pop. 
But the reason I love Joseph Arimathea, you don't carry the king of a nation. You don't carry the king of rock and roll. You don't carry the king of pop. In case you missed the memo, we carry the king of all kings. And it's one thing when we carry us, it's really him that's been carrying us. But God didn't just die to save you. He died to use you. I'll land the plane here. I heard Adrian Rogers say years ago, not far from here, for 35 years, the most popular bar in all of Chicago was a bar called the Gates of Hell. We live in a society that says the more sinful you are, the most successful you'll be for a season. An American goes from the south up to Chicago, the Windy City, and his friend said, you got to go to the Gates of Hell. You got to get a drink for me, buy a t-shirt. He said, I'll do it. He's there for four days. He's there for three days of work. On the last day, he goes up to a cop to fulfill the promise of his lost friends. He comes to a cop in Chicago. Sir, can you tell me how to get to the gates of hell? He said, it's real easy. He goes, I'm asked a hundred times a day. You're actually pretty close. Tears begin to well up in the cop's eyes. He said, sir, if you go down two streets, you'll make a right. You'll go down three streets, you'll make a left. He said, I'll give you a landmark. There's a church in Chicago called Calvary Baptist Church. With tears dripping down like Niagara Falls, he said, sir, right next door to the church is the bar, the gates of hell. And through blurry vision, he said, sir, if you're asking me how to get to the gates of hell, the cop said, if you go past Calvary, you'll end up at the gates of hell. He wiped his eyes, but with a smile, he said, son, if you stop at Calvary, you won't have to go there. The first time Jesus came, he came as a kid. The next time he's coming as the king of all kings. The first time he came, he came in poverty. The next time he comes, he's coming in great power. The first time he came, he carried a splintered cross. The next time he comes, he's carrying the whole government on his shoulders. The first time he came, he stood before Pontius Pilate. But the next time he comes, Pontius Pilate, Confucius, Muhammad, is going to stand before him. Clyde Box said if he wasn't a man, or was he God? He was fully God, fully man. Put him in a blender. What poured out was Jesus the Christ. Jesus is not a good way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. If he wasn't a man, who was that babe born in Bethlehem's barn? But if he wasn't God, why did 10,000 angels sing at that baby's birth? If he wasn't a man, then who was that it hungered in the wilderness? But if he wasn't God, who fed 5,000 with a little lad's lunch? If he wasn't a man, who was that on the cross that cried, high thirst? But if he wasn't God, who told the woman at the well, you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. If he wasn't a man, who was that dead in Joseph Arimathea's tomb? But if he wasn't God, explain to me why the tomb is empty. Because we don't serve a dead God, we serve the living Lord. Would you give Jesus a round of applause? He that winneth souls is wise. 9,000 churches last year did not baptize a single person. 18,000 additional churches did not baptize anyone 18 years or younger. That means 27,000 churches did not baptize anyone under 18. Yes, I get we're called to make a disciples, but you'll never become a disciple until you've made a decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. There are two oars that row God's boat, evangelism and discipleship. The problem is with the church in the Western world really is rowing with one oar and wondering while we're going in circles. He 
that when his souls is wise and save people, want to see people saved. The summer is past, the harvest has ended, and too many are not saved.